Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, guys. My next guest is General Mark Hurtling. He is uh, on television a lot. He's been on with Chris and Amy quite a bit. Uh, From March 2011 to November 2012, he served as the commanding general of the United States Army Europe in the 7th Army. He joins us now. General, pleasure to uh, talk to you. Thank you so much for giving us a few minutes. Yeah. Hi, Dave. How are you doing this afternoon? Good. Let me get the gushy stuff out of the way. Thank you for your service. Uh, my dad joined the Navy when he was 16 years old in 1941. My brother joined when he was 18 years old, 1971, and served until 75. So it's very special to me. And uh, thank you for your service. Oh, well, I appreciate that, as, as all of us do. Uh, it, it was a great opportunity for a kid in St. Louis to go uh, leave the city for the first time ever on an airplane when I was 18 <laughs> years old. And <laughs> since then, I think I've been to 120 different countries and met a lot of great people. So it, it's been a real uh, adventure and a great way to serve. Well, General, I know that you uh, watched the president and we're going to get into that. Let's go backwards. Let's go back to Saturday morning. Um, I got up especially early Saturday. I was making my coffee. Netanyahu is on my television. I think uh, I, I think he just said that we're at war. And how did you learn about what was going on and what were your initial impressions? Yeah, mine was was similar, Dave, to be honest with you. I got a call early uh, Saturday morning from CNN. Basically, I, I was still in bed and uh, they said, hey, we need you up and, and on the show in just a second, and we're talking about Israel. And, and that's usually about the kinds of heads up I, I get. But, you know, we've been focused on Ukraine for the last 18 months or so, primarily. So I, I was like, Israel, what the, what the hell's going on in Israel? And so I did a quick check uh, of some contacts I had, found out before I went on about 10 minutes later, and realized that it was another uh, attack by Hamas by one of the terror groups within uh, the boundaries of, of the Israeli state uh, onto the, the population of Israel. Usually those consist of rocket launchers. Mm-hmm. And this one obviously was very different. Um, I probably should share too, Dave, that when my last job as commander of U.S. Army Europe, uh, Israel was in our what we call footprint or area of operations. So it was one of the 50 countries, 51 countries uh, that were under, you know, the U.S. Army's purview as, as we were coordinating and engaging with allies and partners. So I've spent a lot of time in Israel, been to a lot of places you're hearing about on the news. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was interesting to see what was happening with Hamas because it was so different 
than some of the things they have done before. And that was the big surprise for me on Saturday morning. And then we just dove right into it. And Saturday and Sunday became a blur. So, General, none of this are uh, none of us are Pollyannish about the way that terrorists operate. We've we've lived through 9-11. We've lived through multiple terror attacks. We, we've seen them do horrific things to people. To me, this is a new low. Uh, today, it was confirmed by CBS and CNN that uh, there were babies beheaded and, and burned alive. And I hate to say that on KMOX airwaves because it, it's so jarring, but it's it's just the truth of the world we live in. Uh, even for a man who has seen as much combat as you, this has to be shocking. Um, yeah, it is. Um, these are the kinds of things we've seen over the last several years with al-Qaeda, with the extreme elements of al-Qaeda, with ISIS. Uh, to a degree, uh, a large degree, with the Russian army and some of their crimes and and just criminal activity they've committed throughout Ukraine and in Chechnya and other places. Uh, but this one is such an abomination because it happened in such a short period of time. It was such a surprise. And for the past year plus, Hamas has been uh, allegedly trying to connect more and become a peaceful group. And we now know that this is really, all of that was just a, a, a deception effort on their part to plan and conduct an operation of, a, of, a, of unlimited horror and a huge scale in a way that very few people would have thought possible a year ago. I mean, this was a, this Dave, I'll be honest with you, this was a an attack that I would not have believed a terrorist organization could have conducted uh, one like Hamas because it combined just massive amount of rocket launchers, a naval assault on the shore of Israel, uh, uh, paragliders coming in uh, toward different locations. And where what I'd suggest to you, everybody's talking about different cities like Surat and and Ashkelon and and some of the other ones that are unpronounceable to most Americans, these are areas that also have uh, Israeli defense force bases. Uh, the 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 music festival that we've all heard about at Reim R E I M and soldiers are famous for never being able to correctly pronounce names of cities that they have to fight in. So I'll just call it Reim. That is next to the headquarters of the Gaza division which is one of the Iraqi army divisions. And I visited that headquarters, saw their intel fusion cell, which uh, was really focused on Gaza, saw the kinds of high-tech equipment they were using. And to, to, to see early Saturday Hamas fighters, Hamas terrorists, I should say, just walking casually through the motor pool of the Gaza division and lighting vehicles on fire and then finding out later on they attacked a music festival and and callously murdered hundreds of of young people is just it 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 doesn't strike of a normal first time terrorist attack from an organization that in the past was only using rockets and and suicide uh bombers so it's it was just very different if you're just joining us, we're talking to General Mark Hurtling, who is the uh, the general and commander of the Seventh Army. General, I know that you're not in the room with Prime Minister Netanyahu and, and the leaders of the IDF, but you've, you've been in those rooms. If you could help my listeners understand, what are the 
decisions to be made? What are the the choices, the avenues that can be taken now militarily uh, by the IDF uh, vis-a-vis Gaza? Um, You know, Dave, I'll hesitate and say that this is going to be a tough fight. Uh, They have been, you know, the, the the, the Israeli Air Force has been bombing Gaza, which is basically a stretch uh, of of about seven miles long by about two miles wide, two to three miles wide at its widest point, with about two hundred, excuse me, two million citizens, most of which inside of Gaza do not support Hamas. Uh, so you have you have a compressed area uh, with the same population as part as Manhattan. Let's let's use mm. that two million people in a very compressed area, where most of the people don't really support um, what this terrorist group is doing, but they're going to suffer the consequences. And we've seen over the last two nights, the Israeli Air Force has been deadly in terms of of bombing buildings, uh, creating rubble attempting to hit targets that they probably have in their target deck, which means, you know, what they received intelligence on before. But all of that is is just a precursor to what they will be doing next, I I suspect, and it will probably be within a short period of time, is putting uh, Israeli ground forces inside of that very constrained area. When that happens, you're talking about Merkaba tanks, which is the kind of tanks the Israelis have, um, uh, personnel carriers, infantry, artillery, along with the continued strikes by the Air Force, going into an area which has confined streets, uh, a, a, a population where most are old women, old men, children, and very few fighters, trying to uh, disrupt and destroy the Hamas headquarters elements and all of their fighters while uh, they have hundreds of hostages in not only surface areas or in these compressed roads or these tunnels, but underground. And and it's just it's just it's going to be an extremely tough operation. That's all I can say. I've tried to paint a picture Mm -hmm. of how difficult it's going to be. Israel has gone into Gaza multiple times. Um, and they use an expression in Israel whenever Gaza starts firing a, a massive amount of rockets at either Tel Aviv or some of the cities that we've seen the names of in the last few days. The Israeli army says they, they have to go in and they use the phrase cut the grass, uh, which means they're trying to mow back some of the Gaza fi- the, the Hamas fighters. Well, this time, you know, I detect it's going to be much more. Uh, intense and just destructive than it's ever been in the past. General, how does this compare to some of the things that we had faced, uh, for example, in Fallujah or in some of the other actions in either Afghanistan or in Iraq over the last 20 years in terms of getting into those city areas and trying to find needles in that haystack that you just described? Yeah, it, it, it's relatively comparative Dave, but it's it's not the same at all. It's going to be much more intense because in Fallujah, you didn't have 
20-story high-rise buildings. Mm. You know, when, when soldiers have to go in and do searches or cordons or and separate different areas of a city, I mean, in Fallujah, or, you know, my my time in Iraq, I was in Baghdad and in, in northern Iraq where we had Mosul and uh, Kirkuk and, and uh, uh, you know, the smaller cities that had some high rises, but they normally weren't more than six or seven stories and they were unusual, but you had a, a big area. In this, in, in Gaza, you've got just unbelievably compressed uh, and, and there's no way out. So in, in Iraq, you know, the terrorists could, could do a strike inside of a city and then go out into the, into the rural areas, which was their, their mode of operations. Mm -hmm. In this one, uh, in Gaza, you're talking about going underground and using the tunnel networks in, in, a, in an area that's only a couple of hundred square miles. It's not like a, a really big city. Uh, it's relatively small, but it's so compressed. That's what makes it different. And, and they've been living there with, with no, uh, let's say, security or police departments that know the ground other than Hamas themselves. So when Israel goes in, they're using, you know, the intelligence they've gathered really from outside, not from inside. It's not like you can turn to the cop on the beat or the soldier defending a, you know, a, a, a roadblock and say, hey, what's going on here? They're going in partly blind if I can use that. Mm -hmm. And there's just so many more and so many directions that they can find. You know, going back to the attack on Saturday, the estimates are they had 2,000 fighters cross the border. So if you if you send 2,000 trained fighters into the various kibbutzes around Gaza, imagine how many are still inside Gaza waiting for the Israelis to enter the city because they know that's what they'll do next. It's it's there's going to be a lot of ambushes and there's going to be a lot of improvised explosive devices, uh, booby traps all over. And they're going to try and lure um, the Iraqi soldiers into different areas. Now, the same happened with Americans in in Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, but nothing to this complexity or even scope and scale. We've been talking to General Mark Hurtling. Uh, General, one last question. I think you'll 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 get the form of this as a professional and as just a human. Uh, how concerned are you about this getting larger? You have Iran out there, obviously. Uh, you have the complex relationships between China and Russia, and you have people rooting in favor of the terrorists. We just sent the Gerald R. Ford Strike Force, which is about as badass as the Navy gets. Uh, how likely is it that someone gets froggy and jumps? Yeah, it's a good question, Dave, and I'll say three things concern me. Uh, first of all, uh, on a tactical scale, based on what we were just talking about in, this, in Gaza itself, the amount of killing, casualties, uh, death that is going to occur on both sides in probably in the next few days, next few weeks. It's going to be an unbelievably intense battle. Then you have to worry about inside of Israel is Hezbollah, which is the other main terrorist group, or the Jihad Union, uh, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad that, that are in both the West Bank and Northern Israel near uh, the southern border of Lebanon, 
and even in the in the uh, Golan Heights from Syria, is is Israel within the next few days going to be facing enemies in multiple directions? Then expanding outward from that circle, what you just said, you know, Hamas and Hezbollah both are getting equipment. Uh, although you can't confirm this, I will say undoubtedly they have gotten equipment and support from Iran and some of the paramilitary groups that are still in Iraq, as well as Syria. Uh, you know, are there going to be other countries in the region, in the smaller region, uh, Iran, Iraq, Syria, uh, Lebanon, Jordan, uh, you know, name that tune that basically Egypt uh, that surround uh, uh, Israel, if you take a look at a map, and then expanding even further outward from the reason, what's going to happen with Saudi Arabia and Iran? Are they going to start going at it a little bit? So there, there is certainly the potential for a regional conflict. And then, as you so rightly said, from a military strategic perspective, um, I'm certain, you know, although I, I don't have any proof and I no longer have access to classified intelligence, but I'm certain Russia is smiling greatly at this, uh, as is Iran, because it has taken the attention off of their fight in Ukraine just about the time when Ukraine is starting to generate momentum in the east and the, and, and the southeast. So it's going to sl slow the United States support, I think, for Ukraine. Unfortunately, it should not, but it more than likely will. And then you look at, you know, I'm, I'll throw one more frago uh, into this whole thing. And you look at today's actions in our U.S. Congress, where there's still a chaos and a dysfunction where we can't even elect a leader yeah. that's applicable to all. And that's going to slow our reaction as a nation down for providing anything that requires appropriations or money or equipment, things beyond what the president can approve. I mean, he can approve moving a carrier strike group. He can't approve a lot of appropriations for both Ukraine and Israel. So things that are already approved, they will get. But in both wars that could last for a very long time, it, it could be, let's just say I, I use an expression every once in a while, it could get really sporty. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Uh, General, so very helpful. Uh, we'll be reaching out to you soon. Thank you so much. You got it, buddy. Take care. Okay, apologies. I'm a pretty bad clock manager in general, but then we have General Mark Hurtling on from St. Louis who's giving such amazing insights. I just wanted to keep him on as long as I could. I'm sure we'll be talking to him a lot, unfortunately, uh, in the next coming uh, days and weeks. Going to take another quick break. I promise when we come back, we'll have much more for you. DGS and KMOX. 235 DGS. Happy Tuesday. Beautiful day out there. Our pal George Rosenthal uh, from ThrottleNet is here. Good to see you. Good to see you. As usual, you have terrifying notes in front of you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they're not all terrifying. This now, time they're I, actually very good. If you ever listen to the lives I do for you, but I've been yeah. making a point. I want to get your... I should do this off the air, but, you know, whatever. I'm not good at this. Sure, why not? Uh, I've been saying to the people out there, like, hey, don't confuse... George on the show talking about Skynet. Yes. And you owning a bakery right. and eating IT. Exactly. Because yeah, I appreciate that. You can use the Skynet AI. Oh, sure. But it's not like you're coming into a dentist's office and 
bringing robots. No, this is some this is some really fun thing to talk about with you guys. I love you know educating the people out there who don't really care to go out and do research on AI or get involved in it and hear speeches about it. Uh, this is more of that. But yeah, ThrottleNet is more about protecting your business to make sure it survives a cyber attack. That's really what it comes down to, yeah. which we see every single day. It's more crazy. And more. Oh my gosh! And they're using AI, ironically, to do the attacks. Of course, both on a software level and on a on a messaging level. That these these emails look literally like they came from FedEx, UPS, uh, the IRS, and people are clicking on things. It's crazy. Is it difficult to find people who can go toe to toe with the bad guys? Yes. Yeah. You to have you need very very smart people to become white hat ethical hackers. Hundred percent. Like you, you have to, and you have to have the right tool set. You have to have the right uh, committee that's meeting on a weekly basis, looking at all the attacks around the world and understanding would our solution and system stop that. And every week, you're having to improve your cybersecurity suite and tools to make sure that the new advanced tax attacks won't take down your customers. And that's something where, like, you know, no, no customer of ThrottleNet's ever paid ransom. And we have to continually, every week, keep up with the news, keep up with what's going on. Uh, even the Metrolink uh, ransom attack that just recently happened and yeah. shut down Colorado. Uh, we have to be on top of that and understand why that attack happened and then make sure that our processes can make sure make sure it doesn't occur to our customers. I know that you're not in the military, but what just happened in uh, in Israel where a bunch of guys in golf carts yeah. decimated oh. from an AI standpoint and an IT standpoint, how comfortable are you going to bet at night that the U.S. has the best people? I, I am very, very comfortable with that. I think the, the NSA, the CIA, the, we are talking the top echelon of folks, which is why I, I am confident that why our power grid hasn't gone down, why our water supply system hasn't gone down, why these systems have not occurred, because it's not like cyber attacks just started. You know, this has been going on on a global level, and countries that hate us are trying to take these systems down. Um, and that's what makes me so confident about the NSA, the CIA, and so forth, because these things are in place. In fact, ThrottleNet, we based our entire cybersecurity plan around NIST, which is the, the government standard. So the government set up the standard. We are following that to a T, and that's again leads me to even more protection of to why I'm confident that that the government's in good shape right now. Yeah. Uh, now, of course, everything's vulnerable. There's always new vulnerabilities, and you have to keep up with that. Uh, so it, the thing is, is does the will the government keep up as fast as AI is progressing? And that's really going to be the battle. Is is AI progressing? It is exponential rate. And will we be able to keep up with that? That is going to be the, the race and the question. That's the new Cold War. I just saw that the guy they call the godfather of AI, who is very much of a John the Baptist uh, saying, hey, be careful, be careful, be careful. And he just came out and said, whatever you do, don't put AI into a robot, basically, <laughs> which, of course, is what we're going to do. Right. Absolutely. I mean, we're going to do that. That's what we were talking about, Kevin. You, you told me months ago, you're like, the last thing I want is AI and a robot connected to the especially Internet. Especially those little headless dogs. Oh. Those things are nuts. <laughs> Creepy. Don't make them look like animals. That's not Oh, cool. my gosh. Yeah. No. And they keep making the robots look more human. And that's, you know, it's starting to look like iRobot that we talked about now, months ago. We know that in most things, just based on history, right? Like the military has tech now that we won't see for 20 or 30 years. Yeah. Like that's happened correct. in the past. We've known that forever. Sure. Is that the same with something like AI? Are they potentially way beyond where all of these public researchers are? Yes. In fact, they're working with companies like IBM on the quantum computing side of things to make new advanced weapons, intelligent drones, 
uh, intelligent satellites that can pick things out on their own and give suggestions and military suggestions on their own. But you're right. It's like the SR-71 Blackbird back in, you know, back in the day. We didn't know about that for decades. And all of a sudden they said, hey, by the way, we've got a plane that goes from New York to, to L.A. in two hours. I'm like, what? Wait a second. That, that's already happening right now with AI, and it's going to be some spooky stuff. But thankfully, we got the good guys on our side doing it. Yeah. Um, the neat thing is, though, we are going to be able to take advantage of AI on our other side, which is good. So there's, there's always, I hate to bring all the scary stuff to it, but one thing I think that really, you know, countries like Israel and, and allied countries of the United States are going to end up with that kind of technology that AI technology to better protect themselves, see things ahead of time, give suggestions ahead of time, and really help military planners do things a lot more advanced than we ever have. Good. Yeah. So good Terminators to fight the bad Terminators. Pretty that's much. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy to think about that, but yeah, that's you know what I was where we're at. About today, this is, this is not really AI, although I guess it could be. Uh, but vis-a-vis the whole thing going on in Israel, and we've all you just watched CNN. You can see the rockets take off. I'm shocked that we don't have technology and that Israel doesn't have technology through drones or satellites or whatever that can instantly pinpoint where the launch came from and instantly launch a rocket to take it out. That just seems that that doesn't even seem like 2023 technology. That seems like 2010 technology. I wonder. Uh, I'm only. I'm only thinking out loud because I know that they have the Iron Dome and they can intercept a lot of yes. those rockets with that. I wonder how much of how many of those rockets are just hand fired and people leave. Like right. it's not a stationary position. Good point. It's boom gone, and now by the time you would get anything there, they're ten miles down the road. Right. 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 Good right. point. Yeah, one one of the major advances actually in AI is is the new optical facial recognition and voice recognition. So that's something that I'm sure the military is going to be all over where you have cameras on drones or cameras on walls in the Israeli case where you can pinpoint people and say, all right, this is a bad guy. Get ready for whatever he she's going to do. I think that's that kind that type of assistance with AI is going to be more than just a camera and somebody watching. Yeah, I'm not trying to be silly here, but they they have that in movies. Like when I watch military movies or CIA sure. movies, they're like, okay, yep, that's George Rosenthal. We can tell he's a bad guy. Hit him. Yeah. So you'd hope that we have that. Uh, what do you have for us today? Well, the big thing is, is that everybody can enjoy as of t- right now is GPT's advancements. So they have updated their database through January of 2022, which is great because it used to be September of 21. But now they've added some really fascinating things. They can, it can now see, hear, and speak. So, yay. Uh-huh. <laughs> so Chad I'm going to go pack my suitcase. Is, <laughs> is no longer just Where are you going? There's nowhere to go. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where uh, exactly. I mean, you can't escape this. Space. So it's now like the Echo or the Google Home, but even more fascinating is the the example they have on OpenAI's website. Anybody can go out today and you and download this. And also, if you don't have the OpenAI ChatGPT app on your phone, go get it. It's a, it's a fascinating app to use, but now it's even more powerful. The, the example they gave is they took a picture of a bicycle and said, how do I lower the seat on the bicycle? And they used the picture and said, well, with your particular model, here is the instructions to do so. Then it said, then they took a picture and said, well, is this the part you're talking about? And circled it. It noticed the part and said, no, 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 that's not a lever. That's the bolt you're supposed to untie with an Allen wrench. So then they took a picture of the instruction manual and a picture of the tools that were laying in the guy's driveway, uploaded it to ChatGPT and said, 
can I use this? And if so, which tool in my toolbox will help me solve this problem to lower the seat? And it actually analyzed the toolbox, read the instruction manual, and said, oh, yeah, the, uh, the four-millimeter Allen wrench is in the lower left-hand corner with DeWalt on it. Pick that up and use the fourth one in. I mean, that is where you're interacting with AI using pictures to solve problems. And it, on top of that, it's all now voice-activated. So you can talk to it just like an Echo or Google Home, but it's so much smarter than what you have at Google Home and what you have in Echo. So, here's, okay, here's what's interesting to me personally. As I'm listening to my friend George talk and he's telling me this, you know what I'm thinking? I swear to God, I'm fantasizing that it's 1840 and I'm tilling a field with a mule and my wife brings me a cool drink of water. Like, I just, I don't know, like I yearn for simpler days like this stuff. Maybe it shouldn't scare me. But it scares me. It, yeah, I mean, I can understand why it would scare you. I mean, you have a, you're uploading a picture to a thing that is in the cloud somewhere, and it's telling you to use the tool that's in the lower left-hand corner based okay. on a picture. I mean, that's fascinating. It's crazy. <laughs> We're at the end of the segment. I'm going to ask you the biggest question sure, in AI. Sure. But what's the difference between this, knowing everything, and being able to use logic and figure stuff out and see things and hear things and have conversations? What's the difference between that and being sentient. What is the, the, the line you cross? So sentient is thinking on its own. We're talking complete thought on its own, coming up with its own, recognizing problems, coming up with its own resolutions, and then acting upon them. So whereas this, what I we're talking about is I have to put an input of a picture of a bicycle, ask it a question in text, get an answer, take that answer, turn around, ask for a more detailed answer. These are things where the, the human is inputting constant data and getting feedback on what all it's doing is comparing and using math to basically figure out that answer based on all the information it has. Sentient is going to start coming up with its own thing, its own ideas, its own inventions, and, and implementing them in a way that we've never thought of before. I mean, it's, it's, that is when you get to quantum computing, and that's still a decade away. That's, that's, that's okay, not going to ask you another one. one. Sure. So we hit that in 15 years. Mm -hmm. How do we have anything resembling a normal life in 30 years? Well, that's a great question. I mean, the, the, the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase just said they're implementing AI into every facets of their financial world, including trading and everything else. He, his exact quote was, every single process, every trade, imagine your children will live to 100, not have cancer, and only work three days a week. Well, I mean, that's where, like that's where you're trading. going. I've never been a big trader, but it seems ridiculous at this point for me to look at Merrill Lynch stock or J.P. Morgan Chase right. stock and go, hmm, I like the leadership. <laughs> when you've got AI <laughs> and yes. doing all these gazillions of computations and yes. investing perfectly. Exactly, yeah. And giving you, based on years and years and years of data, that, that it can algorithmically figure out. That we can't out. even come close to touching. Correct. As yeah. an individual with an individual brain. And that's what he's saying, is that's where we're going. We're going to a place where you work three days a week, there is no more cancer, and you live to 100 plus, and basically AI is involved in everything you do, including something as simple as making and dinner with I'm a picture in your fridge. I'm not even trying to be funny here. I think yeah. that it's either that or we are their pets. <laughs> I don't see much in the middle. I, I really don't. I agree with you. I agree. It's, you're right. Yeah. I do good tricks. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'll do more than you'll ever think about doing. So that's uh, throttlenet.com slash DGS. Thank you, George. Thank Appreciate you. it. Appreciate it. 252 DGS Rage. 
What's the uh, sixth grade breakup? Oh, this is so funny. I saw this on Twitter. It was a screenshot of someone who said that their their uh, let me get let me pull it up. Their little sister or little brother is going through a breakup in sixth grade, and the screenshot is just so good. So this is the back and forth. It's a text conversation. It's not about that at all, and it's not you at all. Oh God. <laughs> the reply. So what's it about then? <laughs> Good. It's just like we're really young and I don't think we should be saying I love you and I hope I never lose you after like a week, especially because we're only 12. Wait a minute. Who's who? Is that the girl? It's the this is the girl breaking up with the boy. Yeah, I'm pretty I sure I told you that and she said it's not your fault at all. I'm sorry. And then this is the this is just like the cherry on top. The little boy goes, it's fine, I guess, but it's kind of my fault. And I had lots of sugar that day and was tired, so, but it's fine. <laughs> Can I tell you Such something? Such a good breakup. <laughs> a version of that could have been applied to every divorce I've ever done. <laughs> That's so funny. I had a lot of sugar that day. <laughs> I, that I is always, tremendous. I, I know it's probably like an invasion of their privacy, but it's also not a big deal. Whenever people post like screenshots of little kids who are quote unquote dating online, it's always so funny because it'll be like, will you be my girlfriend? Yes. Okay. I love you. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just always so cute. Can you send that to me? Yeah, I that's will. really that's really. <laughs> I like that. I had lots of sugar that day, so I'm still using that as an excuse now. <laughs> it's very probably that, my fault. That little girl is wise beyond her years. Yeah, <laughs> or that's just like the story. Didn't really, you know, not that in, she she's not that India. She's not that India. Yeah, maybe. Either way, so she's a twelve-year-old man. Says. Not just sixth grade. I didn't know people talked like that in sixth grade. <laughs> I know this one didn't. I mean, this yeah. one thought it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, no one's ever been in love more than me in sixth grade. But. <laughs> I mean, like, that's normal. But the way that they're going about it just sounds. I'll never forget. I was, it was sixth grade. And, uh, of course, we're all, like, starting to go through puberty. So I wasn't the only man in the game. And the girls uh, had white lipstick. And they all put white lipstick on their lips and were chasing the boys and kissing them. <laughs> And there's nothing more in the world than I wanted than to be kissed. And I was the fastest kid in school, and I outran them. Yep. And they just couldn't catch me. And eventually they <laughs> gave Stupid up. Girls. And I'm like 30 yards away from them. They're like, we can't catch them. Let's go kiss someone else. And I'm like this. What are you, what are you doing? Like, it, just, like, it just hit me. Why did like, you Your run? desire but to be kissed. My desire to show them how fast right. I was. So they would want to kiss me. And I outran them when all they were trying to do was kiss me. Me. You had to show off, didn't you, Dave? I did. Story of my life. God. It's just so different now because kids have phones, so then they get in these like cute little relationships, and then they can they can jump straight to the like, I love you so much. Oh. Even then, it's though, wild. they're breaking up via text. Yeah, that's brutal. <laughs> Even yeah. in sixth grade, like, hey, uh, this is over. Well, that's... what are you going to wait till the next day at school? It yeah, that's be a good point. Have it. A lot less awkward <laughs> instead of passing a note. It's not your fault at all. I know. I, I had a lot of sugar. <laughs> I had a lot sugar. of sugar that day. I would love to know my little brother did that day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should talk to him. I'd be like, hey, man, I've been there. <laughs> what was it, nerds, bubblicious? <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 